Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome back to another episode of the Madhouse Podcast. As always, I am your host, Mad Max. Today's episode, we're going to continue our 31 nights of Halloween, 31 days of horror. Uh, Today's episode is going to be about the Paranormal Activity franchise. Rather than talk about one in particular, I just figure we're going to cover all seven of the films and we're going to go from there. We'll start with part one and we're going to work all our way up until the most recent entry into the series, Paranormal Activity, uh, Next of Kin, which dropped exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. So um, that's where we're going to be at for the time being. And we start off with Paranormal Activity uh, part one, which... I believe came out in 2008, I believe. 2007. Yeah, so the first film came out in 2007, and it had one of the best marketing campaigns I think I've ever seen. It's probably since the original uh, uh, Blair Witch Project that a movie like this was marketed in a way. You know, this this almost felt like a real documentary. And this almost, but at the same time, it still felt like a a a, um, a paranormal ghost story. And I think this film in particular honestly launched the whole um, found footage film because this movie is shot basically the entire movie is shot uh, uh, with the use of a cam with the use of a camcorder and i think as the movie progressed it elevated into more so of a handheld camera security camera webcams and things like that but the first paranormal activity was really the first one that kind of was based on the aspect of a found footage film and it I mean, it had to have done something right because the the budget of the film was very small. I believe it was a, it's maybe less than um, it was. I want to say it was probably like a million dollar film because the movie. It you know it's just a man and a woman in their home in California, and um, it. It's just them investigating it. And I think, yeah, it was... The movie was shot for about... It cost to do the principal shooting was about $15,000. Not to mention the $200,000 that Paramount invested for the um, for the marketing and things like that. But for that movie to kind of go and make $200 million, it was, it was saying something. And um, the movie starts off with a young couple in California who start to notice creepy things going on in the aspects of they think it's paranormal. The guy in the relationship is uh, Mika, and he buys this uh, camcorder to kind of, you know, document what they've been doing. And... Sure enough, as the as the days go on, we see 
the paranormal activity start to kick in, you know, whether it's the doors closing in, the doors closing by themselves, strange noises coming from downstairs, and things like that. The woman in the relationship is uh, Katie, and I think that the movie, um, the movie was really just, in a lot of ways, it was kind of, uh, it was just based on that, like the haunted house, basically, and it really was, it really had the aspects of just being two people who are in a house, and it's haunted, and you think it's a paranormal investigation, and you think something very, they 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 present it as a joke at first, like you know this isn't really happening. But then, uh, the more the entity starts to feel, uh, the more the entity starts to feel uh, disrespected or mocked, it starts to get a lot worse. Um, Katie one night wakes up outside; she's got a bite mark on her back, and it's it is kind of crazy to see and things like that they ask for help and it doesn't really seem to go the way they think and the way the way it kind of goes about and then i think where it all comes to a head is i think a couple of days before the last night that they have uh katie is dragged out of her bed i think this is probably the most the scariest scene in that in the first film is that scene when Katie is dragged out of bed and she's pulled out into another when uh they set up the camera in the bedroom while they sleep and you see Katie being dragged away and the thing is it's not done in a, like a Hollywood way it really isn't you you legit her slowly get pulled out of bed slowly get pulled out of the room and the fact that you know she's uh, screaming and hollering throughout the entire time makes that scene genuinely terrifying. The fact that you're being pulled out of your own bed somewhere where you don't understand. And, you know, that kind of clarifies that, yeah, there is something in the house. But by then, it's already too late because they've already been marked. They've already been, you know... Mika's already kind of taunted this... <sighs> oh, excuse me. Mika kind of already taunted this uh, entity with the Ouija board and things like that. And it's like, this guy doesn't get it. And by the time he realizes that, you know, maybe we shouldn't do this, it's already too late. Because after that, um, I think two nights after that is the final night. Katie wakes up and she's kind of, there's been a few nights where Katie wakes up and she's kind of just standing there. You know, not looking into the camera and just standing there absolutely still for like a few hours gets back in bed and doesn't remember anything well the last night in particular she gets out of bed walks downstairs you see her well yeah she does walk downstairs and and um she's just kind of you know there and then all of a sudden you hear her screaming from downstairs and Mika kind of gets up and runs downstairs to go save her thinking something is wrong now what makes this ending scene genuinely frightening is the fact that he doesn't grab the camera you're just hearing it the camera's in the bedroom and you don't really see anything go on and then all of a sudden you hear a noise and then mika's body is launched from the darkness into the camera the camera falls over and then you see katie's there and the way she's standing and the way she moves 
right there, you can clearly see that she's possessed. And then her face contorts, the camera goes black, and then that's the end of the movie. And that movie leaves you with just like, it, it, it has one of, it has an ending that is so bone chilling that you really don't understand where, where the idea is going to go from here. And there's no real, um, there's no real sense that this movie is going to go anywhere. You don't expect this movie to kind of keep going and become a film franchise after watching the first film. So, uh, it debuted at Screamfest in 2007 and then in 2009 got a theatrical worldwide release. And it was just, it was a movie that kind of took a lot of people by storm. And like, you're not expecting a sequel. You're not expecting a, uh, uh, the, what, what, what soon follows because after this movie, like in the late two thousands going into 2010s, um, the found footage genre really started to pick up with movies like um, Chronicle had come out, uh, uh, Cloverfield had come out, um, Grave Encounters had come out, The Gallows had come out, Wreck had come out, Quarantine, and movies like that where all these movies were just, even though they're low budget or didn't have a theatrical release, that found footage genre really started to gain momentum and while neither, while none of those films are really as good and as um, well put together as um, <clears throat> as the first Paranormal Activity, um, it really goes to show you that um, the movie the movie tapped into something, uh, and it really depicts the idea that something is that that there is an audience and there is a way a new style of filmmaking that could be introduced in a way that had never been done before. Like, yeah, <clears throat> yeah, yeah, uh, movies like The Blair Witch Project had done it before, but that felt more like a documentary than an actual film. And even though that movie came out in 1999, it is still regarded as one of the early, the earliest films to tap into that genre of a found footage style of filmmaking. And... Throughout, you know, from 1999, you know, we started to get more films like that. Paranormal Activity was probably the first big budget film. Like, imagine if, if, if the Blair Witch Project, if the first Blair Witch Project had a budget like the first Paranormal Activity, you could have saw something a little bit more, it felt more like a movie rather than a documentary. And I think that was the difference. So then in 2009, Paranormal Activity had come out to a worldwide release uh, in the United States. The following year, in 2010, they released a sequel. Now, Paranormal Activity Part 2 is more so of a prequel. It takes place two months prior to the events of Paranormal Activity 1. And this movie is told through the eyes of Katie, of Katie's younger sister, uh, Christy who is coming home after she just had her uh she just had her uh first child with new husband Dan and they are living in California and it's the same setup you have a rather than a couple now you have a family you have the uh the white husband and wife who are uh 
just welcomed their first child. It's a son named uh, Hunter. And then uh, they also have a teenage daughter who is actually Dan's daughter and not Christy's daughter. But she's there uh, to kind of give us more so of that family dynamic. And this film is a little bit more creepier because even though it's the same setup, the when the paranormal activity starts, it starts ahead of time in a way that is um, much more much more visual than it is you know hearing something that goes bump in the night and that also starts that also stems from the baby the first time we see something in the second in the second movie is like you'll see the light flickering back and forth uh in the uh in the uh in the baby's room like the night light flickers on and off and things like that they'll hear noises downstairs but they won't really say anything. Uh, the faucet will turn on. One of the hanging uh, pots and pans will fall. It's like little subtle things like that, which is what they did in the first Paranormal Activity film. Um, one of the asp- one of the scary moments in the movie, uh, the, where it really kind of goes really down south from there, is they have a German Shepherd. And uh, I think that from the time the ger- when the dog picks up on the paranormal activity stuff as well, you see him, I think, no, I think it's a girl dog. The girl dog is kind of laying in the baby's room and the dog picks its head up. You know, it's laying down, but when it picks its head up, like it, it senses something. That's when you start to realize that something is wrong. Like there's, there is an entity there and... Uh, things like that and I think one of the funny moments in the movie uh, it's a, it's they play it up for a scare but it's not really a scare it's more so a uh, it's more so a cautionary thing so Katie and Mika make appearance in this film and the movie like puts that out there They're like this uh, this was shot X amount of days before Mika Mika's body was found on the date of of the last film and things like that. Well, everybody's out in the pool. All of a sudden, Dan is going to jump in the hot tub, but the temperature is turned all the way up to the point it's almost boiling water, and he jumps back into the pool to kind of cool off and things like that. And then you see, you kind of notice that the pool, the the pool, the the pool cleaner little thing that he has starts moving on its own, and it doesn't really pick up from there. So then one night they have a, they have a Mexican uh, uh, cleaning lady there, and the, she starts to pick up on some bad vibes as well, and this one that you know she starts doing this little essence thing, and I thought, oh man, this lady's doing that old school. Mexican shit to kind of keep the demons away but um so then uh Dan and Christy come home uh from a date night and they see her doing that and you know they don't like that they're like what the hell what are you doing you know they say the essence the the incense are bad for the baby and then she gets fired and I was like yeah that's fucked up so the it all comes to a head I think on night seven seven or eight uh seven or eight the dog is once again picks up on the on the dark essence uh you know a dark entity is there the dog is picking up on it but then 
the dog starts barking and howling at something, and then off camera, uh, you you hear the dog being attacked, and then all of a sudden, uh, it, it it the barking and the growling becomes so loud that it it wakes up everybody, and uh, the movie is what the difference between this movie and the first paranormal activity is rather than it just being solely on the one camera they got security cameras throughout the house outside of the pool area in the kitchen in the living room upstairs in the baby's room and things like that so uh everybody wakes up dan and dan and uh and uh Allie, the young girl the teenage daughter wake up and they you don't you don't see what's happening to the dog. They they just say the dog needs help. Like hey, you know get the keys. You know, something's wrong with the dog. We're gonna take it. So, Allie and Dad leave. They go to the animal hospital with the dog, and it leaves Christy in the house with just her and the baby. Well, in this scene we have another dragging scene. You know she's this one is a lot. This one has felt more. This one felt more movie oriented. You know, it didn't feel like a paranormal, like the first one where it's real subtle. They slowly drag you out of bed and they drag you down the dark hallway. This one is just all out, you know, movie magic. You know, Christy is in in the nursery with with the baby and she starts to noticing that the the light, the nightlight is flickering. She takes one step towards it and then all of a sudden you hear a noise and then you see her get swept up by her feet, dragged out of the room, the camera the security camera follows her all the way down to when, to when she gets to the stairs and she's like holding on to the to the railing of the stairs and you see her legs in the air and things like that like she is being dragged away somewhere and then it lets her go she runs back upstairs to go see if the baby's okay once she steps back into the room it sweeps her up again and this time rather than trying to fight it it like takes her all together you see her get dragged out of the room down the stairs and into the basement and the basement door closes you don't the camera doesn't go into the basement it just shows her get into the basement the door slams and then um and then uh uh like the time fast forwards and things like that so about three or four hours go by and then when she comes out you can totally tell she's possessed and then after that scene it really becomes apparent that something is wrong. So I think Allie is, Dan is under the superstition that something is wrong, like nothing's wrong. He doesn't believe in ghosts, doesn't believe anything is wrong. He thinks everybody's just kind of losing their minds because of what's been going on and things like that. Like they need to, like enough is enough. So then when I think Allie is left, alone with Christy and you can you know at this point Christy is possessed you know Christy is just not herself and they see the bite mark on her very similar to the same bite mark that Katie had in the first film and then when uh uh that day I think it's the day of like the shit is going down like something is wrong that it starts uh in the afternoon Allie is going through the security footage from the night they went to the uh, to the animal hospital. Um, so and then they don't show Allie. They don't show Allie 
watching the thing. They show her looking like they show a quick snapshot of Christy being dragged and you don't really see Allie watch it. You kind of get her reaction. She sees the she sees what happens immediately calls her dad. Dan shows up and then Dan looks at the footage and his reaction is what sells you on it. It's terrifying in so many ways that he calls the old cleaning lady and says, yes, something is wrong. And she comes back and she comes back and they have this idea that they need to purify the house and things like that. So the last night in this movie is um, them trying to, they try to bless the house and then they know something's wrong with her. Uh, Christy, and so the cleaning lady says you have to touch her with this crucifix. Dan attempts to do it, but then all of a sudden Christy attacks everybody, and in that moment the entire lights go out, and then it cuts to a scene to where she kidnaps Hunter. She's hiding in the basement, and then the whole movie from that point on is shot in that night vision uh, point of view. It's kind of scary. That ending part is really terrifying in a way that it's like oh man you gotta save the kid but you can't see nothing and uh, Dan eventually finds the baby but he also runs into Christy and during their struggle he puts the crucifix on her you hear this weird sound this weird yelling coming from Christy and the house starts shaking almost like an earthquake and then the camera goes black they wake up the next morning and you know Christy seems fine and everything kind of seems to revert back to normal. And three days later, they get, uh, uh, they meet Katie again, and Katie starts to tell her the same thing, like, yeah, some weird stuff is going on at our house. And then the camera sort of sees Katie leave in her car, and then right after that, it picks up to the opening shots of Paranormal Activity Part 1. So that was interesting to see. And then we fast forward to the end of the first Paranormal Activity movie. Uh, Katie is now at Christie's house. And she's covered in blood because she looks like she's just murdered Mika. Uh, she sneaks into the house undetected, doesn't see anything. Um, she kills Dan right there in the middle of the, of the living room, doesn't make a sound or anything. And then she goes upstairs, Christy sees her, and then... Christie's body is thrown into the camera of the the of the baby's cam the camera that's in the baby's nursery, and then she kind of collapses to the ground, and then we see Katie walk out of the room, walk out of the house, holding the baby. Allie's not there, but the last thing that they say is that Allie returned home uh, two days later from a school field trip to find the bodies of Dan and Christie, and then Katie's Katie and Hunter's whereabouts remain unknown. At the end of the first paranormal activity, they said investigators found uh, the body of Mika on this date. Katie's whereabouts remain unknown. And I was like, so it's basically the same movie. The second one was good. Paranormal Activity 2 was okay. It just, it was the exact same movie, just told in a broader statement. Now, the one thing I will say about this film is that it, it definitely explores more of Katie and Christie's childhood because apparently this had been happening when they were younger and when we get to paranormal activity part three that one they really go back in time because that one they uh uh they go back in time 
and it becomes apparent that you know this had been this has been going on for much longer than anybody had expected. In Paranormal Activity Part Three, it takes place eighteen years before the events of the first two films. Uh, this movie came out in two thousand eleven, and it takes place in uh, nineteen eighty eight, when Christie and uh, when Christie and Katie are um, are much younger. They must have been like nine and eleven years old, and that's when they really start to focus on this. But I think what this film does, I think what this film does, the prequel, it sets up a new trilogy, so to speak. Because like I said, there are six movies. The first six movies revolve, they call them the Toby series. Um, because the first three are basically a setup, an origin story of what goes on with our our main characters, which are Christy and Katie. Paranormal Activity 3 begins in 1988. You know, you got... Um, you got a... Uh, a couple in, I believe they're still in California at the time. Uh, uh, it, Katie and Katie and Christy live with their mom, and apparently their mom's new boyfriend is, uh, is kind of big into the paranormal like when he starts to pick up that something is going wrong he starts to film it so to speak so he buys those old ass uh, uh, camcorders with the VHS tapes and everything like that and sets them up everywhere to see if they can catch something and slowly but surely they do but it's done this movie is different in a way because it sets up what is to become a new trilogy because Dennis, who is their dad, and then Julie, who plays their mom, are much different than the, anybody that we've had. Because the story takes place in the late 80s, it, it is a little bit different. They start to notice things that may or may not exist or may or may not actually have happened. But I think where this movie differs from the first two is that they discover a... During the paranormal activity stuff that goes on in the house, they notice a symbol that is... In, that is uh inscribed in some of the uh of the background of the of the video that they've shot like what the hell is that and Dennis the more Dennis digs into it the more obsessed he becomes with it and then when all hell breaks loose um it's kind of already too late so this one is the sa- it's kind of the same setup just a different ending um they set up to the point where um you know Dennis is videotaping everything uh they do all this kind of spooky stuff and everything like that it's a jump scare fest in this one the third one is kind of like my least favorite it's not the worst one which we'll get into but um it really kind of sets up the fact that uh that that you know there there's there may be a cult involved now this is the first time in the series that a cult is mentioned and they believe that uh Christy and Katie's grandmother or Julie's mother may be, you know, part of that cult and they start to suspect that but they don't they have no type of confirmation really at all that happens. So 
some of the some of the scary moments come from at the end of the movie. So at the end of the movie, they realize there's no escape. They realize there's something something evil is in their house. So while they try to figure it out, Dennis, Julie, and the two girls, they go live with their grandmother's house, and it's on that night that something is something is wrong, you know. And I think that that scene when Dennis, you know, thinks that something's wrong, that you know, it, that's the scary scene, which is, but it's the it's the last scene of the movie, so. Dennis and Julie are in their room. They hear noises coming from another room, and they think it's one of the girls. So Julie gets up and walks away. Well, apparently 30 minutes go by, Julie hasn't come back yet. Well, apparently 30, 45 minutes go by, Julie hasn't come back yet. So Dennis starts to get a little worried. He gets the camera, of course, and then he goes out. And you realize that nobody, everybody is missing. The girls are not in their room. Julie can't be found, and... You know, they think something's wrong. So they find, uh, he finds Christy and he tells Christy to hide. In the, they're hiding in the closet because they start to hear more noises. This black shadow starts to follow them and, you know, they don't know what it is. He goes to, he goes up the stairs and uh, at the bottom of the stairs, he sees, um, no, that's not it. He goes up the stairs, like the lights are out, there's nothing there. So the power goes out. He gets up to the top of the stairs, and you see uh, Julie's body. And it's like, what is she doing? But then as he gets closer, as he's walking up the stairs, you realize she's levitating. And then her body lunges at him for some odd reason. Then he falls down the stairs and this and that. And then all of a sudden, the house is surrounded by um, these cult members. And you now the shit is hitting the fan, and he's trying to run. They find Katie at the bottom of the stairs, and she's kind of facing the other way. But then when he touches her, she looks into the camera, and her face contorts just like she did in the first one. And then that's when you realize that both of the girls are possessed, and their grandmother comes out. And then they acknowledge the character of Toby, which is the entity that's been haunting them for so long. And then... um, Julie's body is there and you know she's dead they don't ever confirm that or how or what killed her but then um the grandmother steps in the frame and then she kills the I don't think she does it but the 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 entity kills Dennis and that's how the movie ends his body steps backwards the grandmother takes the two girls and they walk away and then that's how the movie ends so basically we're we're setting up that a cult has been involved and things like that. And you would think the movie would end right there, right? Like, it it ends right there. There's no real clear cutting of what we're going to go from there, but it doesn't. So, Paranormal Activity 3 was probably a bit of a disappointment because I didn't like the fact that when you watch two, when you watch them in order, one, two, and three, they go backwards. It's like they're not, they're not trying to go forward. Because Paranormal Activity starts one part, Paranormal Activity 2 takes place like a month before the events of part 1, and then part 3 takes place like 18 years before the events of both of these films, and it's a bit disappointing. And so, you know, uh, it, it was okay, it's just the same thing happens over and over again. So then, a few years later, we get to Paranormal Activity 4. Now... Paranormal Activity 4 is, it takes place, uh, 
movie takes place four years after the events of Paranormal Activity 1. So this takes place much later. And, uh, and things like that. So, uh, this movie is told through the eyes of a young teenager, uh, of a young teenager, uh, by a young teenager by the name of Alex. And this movie does not take place in, uh, Southern California. We are now in a suburb area of... I don't want to say a small town because they don't really give you a landscape of where they're at, but now we're in the state of Nevada. We're outside of uh, the Las Vegas area, and Alex is a teenager who is... The the movie's told through her point of view, and this is the first time where it's not necessarily shot on on a handheld camera. It's shot on a webcam, and so this is a little bit different. So, um... Alex is living in a you know small town of in Nevada with her dad, her mom, and her younger brother, uh, her younger brother Wyatt, who's about six years old. Uh, so um, one day there's a big commotion coming from the neighbor who lives across the street. You know, ambulances, fire trucks, police are all over the place. They're like, "What the hell is going on?" Um, the next day they find out that. Uh, the woman there had some type of accident. They think, you know, foul play might have been involved. They don't really, they don't really talk about what goes on. Like they don't really explain what goes on. All they know is that um, there's a little boy involved. There's a little boy by the name of Robbie. He's this probably probably about the same age as Wyatt. And uh, Alex's mom says that he's going to be staying with us while his mother's in the hospital because. They just moved here. That's the only thing they know. They just moved here, and he really doesn't have anywhere to go. And so this kid, Robbie, is now living with them. And uh, Alex, Alex's character is more so, uh, is more so just this sweet, innocent girl. She must be like 15 or 16 years old, and then she has a a like a bumbling, not boyfriend, but like a guy that she's basically the boyfriend character. And his name is Ben. And uh, they talk through the video chat and things like that. So Ben has this idea that, you know, Ben has this idea that he's going to try to talk to her and things like that. But Alex gets this idea that there may be something off about Robbie because he is kind of weird at first. And he's, and you know, they make no attempt to try to make him look normal. He's this normal white kid. He's this normal white kid with blonde hair. And he kind of just like stands out, stands off to the side, just stares, doesn't really do anything. Like him and Wyatt talk and they'll play for a little bit and things like that, you know, normal kid stuff. But that's different. Alex starts to suspect that something is wrong with Robbie. Not necessarily like wrong with him, but he is kind of giving her the creeps. But one day when um while Alex and Ben are video are Skyping basically on their laptop, Alex falls asleep and then you see Robbie enter the room. Now Ben doesn't say anything either cuz I'm assuming Ben had already logged off. So the, the webcam is still on in Alex's computer, and you see Robbie enter the room. He lays down in bed with her and kind of, like, puts his arm around her. And 
uh, Alex doesn't feel anything, doesn't say anything. It's not until the next day when her and Ben are looking over the footage that, you know, well, that's that's a little weird. You know, something is can be weird. And then Ben tells him like, you know, you can put, uh, you can put the cameras everywhere in your house. You know, so they put cameras all over the house, and they you know they want to see if they're going to be able to catch something, and they do. So one day, uh, Alex has a bunch of friends over. You know, Ben is there. There's like maybe two or three other kids there, but Robbie and Wyatt are also there. So they have this dance party, and they play with the Xbox Connect. And uh, there's a mode on the Xbox Connect that uh, it, it kind of goes to night vision and all the it you know it lights up with all these little sparkling lights everywhere and things like that. Well. While they're having the party, uh, the next day, Ben and Alex are going over the footage from the party, and then they notice that Wyatt is sitting on the couch by himself, but it looks like there's a shadow or something next to him, like there's something hovering over him, and they didn't, you know, that really sets them off, like, what the hell is that? You know, that was like, you know, maybe there is something following them in a way that is just crazy, and uh, so... You know, after you know, like I said, the 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 more Robbie stays with them, the more weirder it gets, and uh, things like that. And he stays with them like a good week, and then Alex gets the idea that what if we go to his house and see, you know, what if we can figure something out? Like let's find out what's going on. So they sneak into the other house. Um, they sneak into the other house, and they notice that all the windows are covered with newspapers like what the hell and then sure enough all of a sudden Katie appears and it's like what the fuck like as an audience member who's been watching the movie you're like wow she's alive and things like that like what the hell is this and so um, Katie reveals that yeah something did go wrong and she appreciates she appreciates her mother kind of looking after Robbie while she's been there and then Katie kind of still has that far away look like she had in the first film after she's possessed and things like that, but, you know, doesn't really pick up on anything really at all. And uh, Alex's mom and dad go over and talk to Katie. They show that shot, but then they also have a shot of Wyatt and Robbie in the, in the, um, in the treehouse. And Wyatt, I mean, Robbie refers to Wyatt as Hunter and, Robbie doesn't get, like, why doesn't understand? Why do you keep calling me Hunter? And things like that. And then when he says that, you, as an audience member, you're like, no. Like, is he the baby that Katie stole from the second film? And things like that. And then the next night, um, it's just Wyatt and Alex in the house. There's nobody in the house. There's nobody there. Robbie's gone. Ben is not there. Mom and dad are out on a date. Um, Alex gets locked outside. Now, the same thing had happened to Allie in Paranormal Activity 2. When she's left with Hunter by by herself, she gets locked outside, and she has to break in and things like that. Well, she doesn't break in. By the time she realizes something's wrong, Danny and Christy show up. You know, So it's like, okay. So in this film, the same thing happens. Hunter, well, not Hunter, what Wyatt is up in the room, is up in the restroom taking a bath. He gets pulled under the water, and then when he's, he picks himself back up, 
you realize that you know he looks he looks a little possessed as well, and something is wrong, and things like that. So Alex is locked outside. She's in the garage. The you know the car is starting to the car turns on by itself, and then the 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 exhaust is going. Then the the garage is filling up with gas and things like that. So she gets into the car, rams the car into the garage door. The door opens, and then. It's revealed that, you know, something is kind of going on. Something spooky is definitely going on. So the next day, it's the last day of the movie. So the movie ends with Alex and her dad go out to kind of spend time together because they know after what happened that night, she's kind of on edge, like something is wrong. Something is going on in this house. So to kind of take her mind off of it, her dad takes Alex to go do something else and the mom and hunter are left the mom and wyatt are left in the house by themselves um this is where it really starts to go ahead go wrong so mom is in the living room and you don't ever see wyatt um but wyatt is in his room kind of playing but it's it doesn't really look like a kid playing it looks like he's just staring out the window so mom starts noticing like she steps back she's looking at um and she's looking at the uh, the entertainment center, like the TV and everything in the living room. She's noticing like a lot of the stuff is falling off, and uh, she takes a step back, and you see you see Katie standing in the background. Like she never sees Katie, but she knows something wrong. And then all of a sudden, you hear the breathing from something in the room with her. And then all of a sudden. The mom is picked up into the air and then dropped. Her body hits the ground with a sickening thud. And then you see Katie kind of dragging her body off into the distance. Well, then Ben shows up. You know, Ben kind of like walks into the house and like, hey, where's everybody at? He goes up to Alex's room to kind of help her set up the uh, this new webcam. And then before, right as he sits down, Katie appears behind him. She stabs his neck and then dumps his body in the closet. And then that's the last we see of Ben. And then that night, you know, they come back later that night. So that night, Alex and her dad show up. Um, Alex notices that there's more. Alex's dad notices that um, there is something going on across the street at Katie's house. And he walks over there while Alex goes into the house and notices nobody's there. So... Wyatt's gone. Uh, Mom's nowhere to be found. And then she's in the room. She's in the room and she notices, she kind of re reverses the, rewinds the footage on her webcam and she sees Robbie. So she's waiting, she sees the webcam stuff there. And she's like, well, was Robbie here? So she calls Robbie. She hears Robbie's phone coming from her closet. So that's when things really start to go wrong. She finds Robbie's body, and then she grabs her camera and then goes to, obviously, you got to grab the camera, and she races next door to, to warn her dad, like, don't go in the house. So they go into the house. Well, Alex is already in the Alex goes into the house, and you see that's, the, that's probably the scary moment in the movie at the end when she goes into the house, and then... She sees her bot. She sees her dad's body being thrown around, dragged all over the place, and then he gets dragged into a back room, never seen again, never sees anything again. And then um, 
And then so Alex is left to kind of wander the house to try to find Wyatt because she hears Wyatt's voice coming from in there and she doesn't see anything. So uh, she's walking around the house and then she cuts one corner. She sees Katie at the end of the corner. Katie launches at her, like runs towards her. And then you realize when as she gets into camera view, her face is contorted just like it was uh, in the last couple of movies. And then you realize something is wrong. Uh, Alex jumps out the window, finds uh, Wyatt outside, and then he's kind of possessed as well. He's like, what's wrong? So when Alex turns the camera to the left, and she, they see like all of these people, um, all of these girls walking towards her. Their eyes are all blacked out, but they're wearing that same insignia that Dennis found in part three. And then you see Katie lunge at Alex's camera, the camera falls to the ground, and the movie's over. And, you know, they really don't set up anything. You're left with more questions than you get answers. So there's no real, like, lasting statement or anything like that. But then the next movie, Paranormal Activity 5, the marked ones, um, it's not called 5, but Paranormal Activity, the marked ones, picks up the following year. But now we're back in California, and we're in this... Uh, we're in this uh, Spanish neighborhood because now this is this is something completely different. So, um, in this film, a uh, a teenage boy named Jesse uh, is living in you know what I I can't remember the name of the city that they're living, but it's a Hispanic town, and um, they notice they hear a lot of commotion coming from. Uh, coming from their downstairs neighbor. They live in this apartment. Jesse hears this weird stuff coming from downstairs neighbor. It's this crazy lady who's been, uh, it looks like this crazy lady, you know, it's just, uh, they call her La Bruja, which means the witch, because they hear her screaming and the weird smells coming from her apartment and things like that. So one day they get the idea to, uh, kind of not prank her but like investigate like something is wrong so then they go downstairs they they go they use this like gopro camera to kind of go down the uh the air duct into her apartment and they notice that there's a couple of women there that are naked and then all of a sudden the neighbor that they were really afraid of walks in the frame and she's painting that insignia that we saw from paranormal activity three and three and four and she's painting it on these girls uh, bodies but it, it looks like it's in blood uh, one <clears throat> um, uh, Jesse's one of Jesse's uh, 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 friends is this girl named Marisol and they don't think that they should be fucking with people like that and things like that and they know something's wrong. And so, uh, so, Jesse and Marisol, and then their third friend is, uh, Hector. You know, they go outside, and then all of a sudden, you know, there's, uh, uh, the cops are there, and they're trying to, they're trying to, um, get inside the bottom, the bottom apartment, and then, they arrest the the witch lady. I can't remember her name, 
but they refer to her as the witch lady and things like that. And then they say, yeah, she's, she's been, you know, she's been there doing some crazy shit. They find a lot of stuff there that lets them know that something is going on there, you know, a bunch of blood and it looked like they were trying to perform a ritual and, you know, they don't know what the hell that it was, what was going on. But then they notice another, th- like you think that, that, you know, it's weird that that's kind of stuff was going on and they don't know what really was going on really at all. But, but, um, one of their classmates, um, Omar, no, what is his name? Oscar. Um, one of his, their classmates, Oscar is now missing. And they're like, well, that's a little weird. Um, the last time they saw him, they, he came out of the apartment that was where the witch's stuff was at. And, uh, they think something's wrong with him because he, as the days progress, he looks more pale, more like beat up and things like that. Like he's been struggling with something and, you know, it's weird. So then one night they, uh, they have a party at the apartment, like the apartment, everybody at the apartment complex is having a little bit of a party. Well, Jesse meets a girl and Jesse decides that, you know, he's going to have some sex. And so they sneak into the the downstairs apartment, which has been kind of closed off because it's an active crime scene. And, um, and, uh, he's, he's, uh, he starts, you know, he's, him and the girl start making out and they start taking off their clothes and everything like that. And then he realizes he doesn't have a condom. So he leaves her there and goes upstairs to his room to go get one. Well, for some reason, they got a camera. They have a camera. You know, keep in mind, like, every movie, there's a video camera involved. So they've been recording all this this entire time. So Jesse puts the camera down, and it's facing... um, It's facing where him and that girl were about to have sex and everything like that. And then, so he leaves, leaves the camera there. Well, the girl, while the girl is sitting there waiting, she hears noise coming from under the floor. And uh, you see, she looks down... And she puts her ear down to the floor. A hand reaches up and grabs her. She, you know, backs up, starts screaming. She runs out of the room. And you see the kid, Oscar, climb out of the hole and things like that. And, and he kind of runs towards the back of the apartment. When Jesse comes back, you know, and everybody's gone. And like, what the hell? So he goes up to the... So he takes the camera and starts walking around the apartment, thinking the girl is trying to fuck with him. But then he walks into the restroom and sees all these weird... Uh, voodoo symbols on the wall when he turns around to walk outside um, when he turns around to walk outside Oscar meets him right there that was one of the first jump scares in the movie Oscar's like face to face right in the camera's face and his eyes are all blacked out and he warns him he goes you're next he goes they already got your blood they've been watching you he goes the only way to the only way to save yourself is to kill yourself and you know, all of a sudden the lights go out, and when the lights come back on, Oscar's gone. And then so Jesse runs outside to go tell Hector, like, hey, man, where the, you know, what's going on? They're screaming at each other from across the street. And then all of a sudden, Oscar's body falls in front of Jesse. And it looks like he fell off the top of the building, bashes the car, and that's it. And then after that night, this the, the paranormal activity stuff starts to happen to Jesse. You know, he's waking up, sweating, 
he wakes up with a bite mark and he's you know and uh things like that and then um Hector and Marisol start to notice that the same thing that was happening to Oscar is now happening to Jesse. So they're trying to do everything they can. And then um, Hector and Marisol do a little bit of investigating on their own and they find that insignia and things like that. And then they contact this girl who's been looking for it. You know, she's been kind of doing her own thing like that but they don't ever show her face they just got a number so then it cuts to a scene where Marisol and Hector are in the park and it looks like they're going to meet this girl and then sure enough it's Allie the teenage daughter from Paranormal Activity Part 2 and she kind of gives them the rundown of what's been going on now we haven't seen Allie or anything like that from since the events of Paranormal Activity 2 and uh, things like that and she kind of gives the, the, the rundown of the cult this is the same cult that we saw in Paranormal Activity 3, and it's the same insignia that we saw in Paranormal Activity 4. So like I said, Paranormal Activity 3 sets up this new trilogy. So now here we are in Part 5, and she's kind of giving you the rundown of that. They're looking for somebody to... Um, the marked ones, when they say you've been marked, you know, when you're marked, you become one of, either one of their servants or you become the gateway to another dimension. And once the ritual has been complete, you know, they become all-powerful and things like that. And they warn them that Jesse's, Jesse is the, is the one that they're going to do the experiment on because he's, he's been marked. You know, originally they were going to do Oscar, but because Oscar committed suicide, they have nobody really to go against. So... They go after, um, they try to confront Jesse, but by this time, Jesse is gone. He's possessed now, and uh, he accidentally kills his own grandmother, which is a, such a horrifying... They don't show it. You just see her, and it's like she fell down the bottom of the stairs and things like that, and that's when they realize that something is wrong with Jesse. So then they try to take Jesse to his dad's house to kind of get it to kind of verify that he was, uh, he's not part of this group, but uh, on the way there, there's a car accident. Marisol and Oscar, Marisol and Hector's car is rammed into, and then Jesse's, even though Jesse's body is knocked out, he, his body is then kidnapped by a black truck and taken away. So Marisol and Hector go to Omar, who is Oscar's older brother, and they say, yeah, the same thing had happened to Oscar. He kind of gives them a little bit of a background. Like, they try to do the same thing to me. They did it to Oscar, and I tried to protect him from that, and it didn't work. So he takes him and a couple of his boys, you know, because he's in a gang, Omar. They go to that house that they were supposed to meet at. And sure enough, that's this, it looks like the same house from Paranormal Activity 3. And, um, like, the grandma's house from Paranormal Activity 3... They go in there, you know, it's Omar and one of his boys, and they got guns, and then Hector and Marisol go in there looking for Jesse, and this is where it's kind of crazy. Like, they find they find women in this barn that look like they've been kidnapped and things like that, and then all of a sudden, the same uh, witches that surrounded the house in Paranormal Activity 3 begin attacking the group, and then the shootout breaks out, they get inside the house. They find the dead body of 
of Omar's friend that he brought with him. But it's like, damn, he didn't even last long. And that's when it shit really starts to hit the roof. They see all this ritualistic stuff going on. And then Hector, who's holding the camera this entire time, Hector um, goes into the next room. He finds the head of a goat. And uh, he goes back to warn Marisol, but Marisol's body's gone. Marisol's gone. She's not, she's not there. And then he's running around the house trying to find something. And uh, he gets to, like, the, the green the green room, like the plant room and everything like that. And that's probably the scariest scene in that movie when he's looking around and it looks like this apparition appears to be sitting in one of the covered chairs. The chair is covered with a blanket and the blanket kind of makes the outline of a body. But then all of a sudden, uh, Marisol's body comes crashing through the glass and, you know, she's dead and everything like that. And then Hector's running to the house by himself and they come across this red door. Now... This dimension door that they see is the same door that Allie had mentioned when they met her earlier on in the movie. And um, so, you know, he's locked in the room. He can't leave the room because he hears people outside. And then he hears Jesse's voice and he's like, I'm scared and things like that. And then a loud bang on the door and it looks like they're breaking. You see people breaking through the door. You see Jesse and a couple of other people trying to break the door in and Oscar walks through the dimension door. The camera kind of warps and then when he opens to the other side of the door, he realize, you realize that he's in Katie and Mika's house from part one. And then they show the footage from part one when Mika, they show the footage from part, well, it's not footage from part one. It's the scene from part one. Remember how I said at the end of part one, you see Katie walk out of the room, she screams, Mika runs downstairs to go see what happens and then the movie kind of ends right there well this is what happens because he sees Katie coming down the stairs she screams here comes Mika and things like that and then you see you see Katie murder Mika and then that was it Hector runs away runs into another room but then when he opens the door to that room Jesse's face who's now contorted just like uh, Katie's was uh, lunges at him the camera falls on the ground and then that's the end of the movie just like the last one and I was like damn that's kind of crazy that's an unfortunate way to go and things like that and um, I'm not sure what else honestly that's like overall the marked ones is probably my probably one of the best ones because it sets up this unbelievable sense of dread that you you really don't have anywhere else to go. And instead of relying on uh, teenagers, you know, who make the dumbest decisions, they rely on, you know, Mexican-American witchcraft and, you know, uh, paranormal stuff and things like that. I actually got a kick out of that. I thought that was hilarious. This this film in particular is just, it. it I, I guess because of the, of the, the Latino community and the and the Latino uh, setting, it really felt much more engaging for me, because all the stuff that they had done, I've witnessed that myself. So it it, it all kind of was very entertaining to me. I don't think it was as good as Paranormal Activity One, because it was a little bit different. But honestly, out of the third, the second trilogy that they did, is probably the best one. And, you know, they set you up for another film and we get to uh, Paranormal Activity 
the Ghost Dimension, which is the sixth film in the series and things like that. And um, honestly, I think this is probably the worst one because it was the first one that they did in 3D, which I was like, all right, so now this might be a little bit redundant. So... Um, I was like, all right, so how can this, it, it doesn't really make sense. So, um, <clears throat> the ghost dimension, it, it doesn't really do anything. Like they mention it in part five, like in the marked ones, like this, this dimension ritual that they do is something that has to be done. And it's like, all right, so how is this going to make sense? So in part six, the ghost dimension, they do the same thing. So um, um, in 2012, this takes place about maybe two years after the events of the marked ones. And there's no recollection or anything like that um, of what really goes on. Um, so, <clears throat> so this family moves into this house, uh, if there's not really a specific location, I want to say it takes place somewhere in the same part of California as the first three paranormal activities take place. So it's like, it's weird. It's, um. It's 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 kind of weird to see that, like you, you there's really no connection really at all to the, to the other films. However, however, the one connection that they do make um, is, um, as far as the storyline goes, there's not really a connection there. But then, when the guy the the I don't even remember the guy's name. I think it's like Ryan, Ryan or Brian or something like that. Uh, he's He's talking to the to the woman who sold him the house. Her name is Katie. And it's like, oh, shit. Is it the same Katie? But and things like that. Because they find a box of old videotapes in the attic. And they start watching them. And it's like, what the hell is this? So, what what is shocking to the, to the audience, to us as audience members, is that the tapes are of, you know, a young Katie and Christy. That's, you know, it's basically the same footage that we saw in Paranormal Activity 3, minus the, uh, minus the whole ending at Grandma's house. So, this guy is, like, slowly starting to go through that, but while he's, while he's watching, while he's watching all these tapes, his daughter is starting to talk to somebody. His daughter, who's, like, maybe five or six years old, starts talking to somebody that's not really there, and you don't, and that becomes a little alarming, to him and it's to the mother anyway and it's like what the hell is this but it's like the more he watches tapes the more the daughter starts to become involved and then and things like that and then um what's kind of creepy is that it almost seems like they the girls in the video are watching them as they're watching it you know, he said, you know, the girl closes her eyes, Katie closes her eyes and tries to picture the dimension. 
She says, I don't see the dimension. I see two guys watching TV. And, you know, obviously the camera is on the two guys watching TV. So then, of course, a video camera is brought out and things like that. And they think there's something wrong in the house. When when the paranormal activity starts to happen in this house, it really starts to go from there. But they find, instead of buying another camera, they find the old camera from Paranormal Activity 3. And they start using it to make their own film and things like that. But... What's weird about the camera, it almost seems like it can see paranormal entities because there's this black goo kind of going around everywhere. And what they don't realize is that that black goo is basically the spirit moving into the house, the spirit kind of taking over. And then they're trying to get a hold of the realtor, Katie, because you know they think something is wrong uh, with the house, but all of a sudden they can't get in contact with her. You know, she's... A, she's unavailable at the time so slowly creepy things start happening kind of like in paranormal activity uh like two and four like little things like stuff being moved stuff being you know damaged or something like that and i think where it really kind of comes to head is like they go into their daughter's room and that insignia that they've been uh the insignia that they've been seeing throughout this entire series is etched into the into the into the wall, and it's like, what the hell is this? So, starting to fear for their lives. They, you know, the daughter gets sick, and that's when it becomes really a problem. She throws up, but it comes out this black goo. That's kind of creepy, and things like that. So they realize something's wrong. So they get this priest to kind of bless the house, and. Uh, it doesn't work because the pre all of a sudden the priest is attacked by something. So then they perform the ritual. Well, lo and behold, they perform this ritual that is the same ritual that Allie was talking about in um, in the previous film. And then that's when all hell breaks loose. This CG, and then that's when this movie really focused on CGI. Like CGI monsters start coming out, and I was like, all right, this is just getting ridiculous. Uh, everybody gets killed in this last scene at the mo- in, in the movie when everybody's at the house to perform this ritual. First the priest gets killed, then the sister gets killed, the sister's boyfriend gets killed, the dad gets killed. So the only people left at the end of the movie are mom and this young girl, and the mom gets killed, and then we see this entity who appears to be the Toby character that they've been talking about grabs a little girl by the hand, just like he did uh, in the other film, and then they walk into the parent into that ghost dimension, and then the movie ends. And it's like, really, that's how we're gonna end the movie. You know, there's no, there's no, um, there's no like, uh, there's no, uh, there's no like real big setup for anything like they don't leave you hanging for another one like the other ones did there's no real type of storyline the storyline is that a family moves into this house what they don't know but no uh, unbeknownst to them the house was built by the same coven or by the same um uh what is it the same cult that has been following them the whole time and they've been chosen to be the sacrifice for this uh ghost dimension and that's basically the whole movie. 
Nothing about this is really interesting. I, like to be honest, the worst film is the last one, Ghost Dimension, and it doesn't really make sense. You know, I was like, well, there's no because it's, it's not a it's not really a finality type movie. It doesn't end the series. It doesn't say like, oh, okay, this is what started it. This is what has to happen. You know, it's like you just kill the random family to, you know, set up this new entity. You know, and it's like, well, that didn't really make sense because why does this make sense? And then there's an alternate ending. So, in an alternate ending, um, like, I, I think somebody had had it on DVD when I seen it, and they said there's an alternate ending. So, after the ritual, like, in the, the scene where the ritual is taking place and the CGI monster comes out, well, that doesn't happen. The ritual is a success. Nobody gets killed. So, four months later, the uh, the family has moved into a new house. And you don't see them interact with anybody else, but you see, um, you see the little girl playing with other kids. Well, among the other kids there, you see the kid versions of Katie and Christy. And it's crazy. And then you realize that the husband and wife this, are expecting another baby. And, um, and you know damn well, like, if you've been keeping up with this story, that um, if they have, should they have a boy, you know, he's going to be the one marked for, you know, the next time and things like that. They don't make that apparent throughout the movie, but that's the one that really kind of shines on it. And I was like, see, the alternate ending was okay, but it still wouldn't have made the movie any better. Um, because it didn't make sense. Like, none of this movie, none of, nothing in the, nothing in the movie really makes sense at all. Um, and, and apparently, according to Paramount, that was supposed to be the last film. The movie come the the Paranormal Activity six came out in two thousand fifteen, and um, it like I said, it's probably the worst one in the series, and uh, it wasn't really all that great. And they weren't, you know, they there was no plans to make another film, you know, because they had. Paramount had said this is going to be the last one. They're not going to make any more, you know, whatever the case may be. And then in, um, uh, uh, I think it was in 2020, there was rumors that they, was going to make a, they were going to make another um, Paranormal Activity. And I'm like, what the hell? Why? You know, so... Um, uh, so then in 2021, uh, the movie Paranormal Activity... Paranormal Activity, Next of Kin. It came out, but it was only it only came out on Paramount Plus. Like these other movies, the other six movies, you know, obviously they had the theatrical release, but because of the whole COVID pandemic, you know, they decided Paramount decided it would just be easier to release the film on Paramount Plus. Much like the movie um, Orphan First Kill, this movie was strictly on Paramount Plus. It didn't really have. I don't think it had a, a theatrical release, but it came out on Paramount Plus. And this was, it's a standalone film, which means um, 
it's a standalone film, but yet it's also a sequel. So I don't know how that makes sense. Uh, uh, it it takes it doesn't take place in the same timeline. It's a separate story altogether, and it's basically about a young uh, a woman is making a documentary about her upbringing, and she, you know, apparently she had a rough upbringing because. She was abandoned as a baby uh, at the hospital right after she was being born and things like that. Uh, she meets a blood relative and things like that. Uh, she And she realizes that her family comes from... Um, she meets a blood relative in this rural part of New York, like in Buffalo, New York, and come to find out that they live in this Amish type of Amish type of they live in an Amish part of the state and you know he's trying to she's trying to un, uh, she's trying to basically like document you know where she comes from what happened and things like that well apparently you know she digs up she finds much more than what she bargained for uh, apparently this Amish community is not necessarily the same coven that we saw in the other films but they're part of something that is far more sinister than anything that they could ever imagine. I don't really know. I didn't really pay attention to this movie. I watched this movie like three times just to get through it. The first time I got about halfway and I was like, all right, this is kind of boring. The second time I picked up where I left off and I actually fell asleep. So the third time I actually had to watch the whole movie through. And while this movie is not really that good, it's not as bad as Paranormal Activity, The Ghost Dimension. Um, it's not necessarily something new altogether. I mean, it's the same shit that we've seen so many times by now. Like, you know, a girl, a young girl, or in this one, it's a girl and her camera crew that are trying to make a documentary on where she comes from. Well, where she comes from is the place that you don't want to be from and uh, things like that. But then... The girl starts to uncover, you know, secrets about this place that she's in. And then the re the only reason she was abandoned as a baby was to protect her from something like this. But unfortunately, they got to go and look for it. So the stuff comes out of there. And I really didn't pay attention to this movie. So, But the only thing I can say about this movie is that it's not that good. Uh, the story is a bit mediocre at best. The performances are not all that great. And there's really not a whole lot of paranormal activity going on except when you know something's already about to go wrong and things like that. Next of Kin was not necessarily a great movie, but it wasn't it wasn't a terrible movie, to say the least. Like it's not as good as part one or the marked ones, but it's not but it's not as bad as Ghost Dimensions or Paranormal Activity Three. So you know, it it really kinda goes either or. Like if you watch like put it to you like this if you've never seen the first six movies, like the 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 Toby series is what they call it, if you've never seen the first six movies and you jump right into Paranormal Activity Next of Kin, I think you'll enjoy it. But if you have seen the first six movies and then you jump into Next of Kin, it's going to be like, okay, it's the same shit we've seen over and over again. So, I don't know. I think this... This film franchise ran longer than it should have. They milked the shit out of it because it came out year after year after year. 09, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. 
It's crazy. Like from oh nine. Yeah, it it was it was it was unfortunate. It really didn't it, it didn't have to do that, but but you know, it did. They milked the shit out of it. They tried to make it good. They tried to make it interesting, but they just made it more convoluted than what it had to be. And the next of kin tried to be a standalone film, but by the time they got to it, it was like Jesus Christ, why would they make another paranormal activity at this point? And then it has no recollection and no tie-ins to the first six, other than the fact that it's the same name. Uh, that didn't really make sense to me at all. I would have just called this film something else. It would have been okay or mediocre at best, but it's not the same thing that we uh, we were expecting. To be honest, I didn't have expectations for another paranormal activity because the last one was a piece of shit. So, but anyways, that's the end of our episode I really didn't understand the concept of making a part seven and uh, holy shit, this episode ran longer than what I wanted it to be, but we're covering seven movies, so it had to be something different. So that's going to go ahead and do it for today's episode. If you liked the episode, be sure to follow the podcast on all podcast outlets, uh, Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Google Play, Odyssey, Reddit, wherever you get your podcast from. Be sure to follow the podcast on all social media outlets, Instagram and Twitter, The Madhouse 21. Are you a fan of the Paranormal Activity films? Uh, which one is your favorite? Which one is your uh, least favorite? How would you rank them from worst to best or best to worst? Whatever the case may be, let me know. Instagram and Twitter, The Madhouse 21. Uh, be on the lookout for more episodes as they come out. Tomorrow is Wednesday, so we will be doing uh, another doubleheader with the next episode in Star Wars Andor, and then, of course, another horror movie. I'm not sure what the future brings as far as uh, the the rest of the week uh, is concerned and things like that. I know Black Adam comes out this weekend, so looking forward to that. Uh, but in other words, just basically be on the lookout for more episodes as they come. There probably will be less and less of the doubleheaders, I'm not sure how many episodes there are in Andor. There will be an NFL uh, recap episode every Tuesday until the end of the football season. Um, there will be a baseball predictions episode. I think I might do that episode on Thursday because I think that is game one of the pennant because now that we have the final four teams uh, in this uh, championship rounds of the baseball playoffs will give in predictions we got the Phillies and the Padres and then we got the Astros and the Yankees so be on the lookout for that episode be on the lookout for any and all episodes that come out of this podcast and of course as always guys be sure to embrace your inner madness